Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning. Guys doing well? Doing well. I feel like the Lord has just been piecing this whole thing together for me more and more and more, that this is a weekend of celebrating freedom. It is. Like, people actually died, actually paid a a physical price to protect the freedoms that we have. I don't know what is more like Jesus. Are you, like, seriously? Like, these, these men and women have actually given their lives to protect the freedoms that we get to enjoy. That is absolutely incredible. I think one of the biggest things the Lord began to speak to me about um, today, really with this message, is that people are going to be healed and set free today. Amen? People are actually going to be healed and set free this morning. How many of you guys were here last week? Here last week. How many of you uh, took what, some of what Kaylin and I said and thought about it throughout the week or had a follow-up conversation to it? Okay. Hopefully... Hopefully those numbers continually increase <laughs> more and more. Uh, not, not for my uh, enjoyment, but really, guys, you are the church. You're the church. When you go out into the world, that's the church going. The church is going. This, this building is a place we gather, is a place we encourage each other, is a place we get built up and take all this stuff and then say, hey, come on, week. I'm excited for Monday morning because God's going to do something incredible. God's going to do something amazing. That's how, that's, that's what should be our viewpoint. They come in here, get built up, join together, be encouraged, and then go out and and do the stuff. Do the stuff. Have fun. Do what Scott and Peter just did, but do it out there. It's absolutely incredible. Today is our final message in our family series. How many of you enjoyed this so far? It's been really good. Today I'm going to be speaking on honoring your father and mother. Dead silent. Dead silent. Awesome. Good. Everyone's excited. So we're going to read uh, two portions of scripture to get us kicked off. And it's Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, we're going to start with. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. And fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The other portion of scripture, which we're really going to focus in on today, is in Genesis 9. It's on the other side. Genesis 9, 18 through 27. This is what it says. Noah's sons who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were Noah's sons, and from them the whole earth was populated. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a cloak, placed it over both their shoulders, and walking backwards, they covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done, he said, Canaan will be cursed. He will be the lowest of the slaves to his brothers. He also said, Praise the Lord, the God of Shem. Canaan will be his slave. God will extend Japheth. He will dwell in the tents of Shem. Canaan will be his slave. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for for this morning. Father, we thank you for what your word speaks to us about honoring our father and mother. I thank you that it's the first commandment with a promise. God, I thank you that today there is just revelation being released in this room. There is grace being released in this room right now for every single heart, for every single hurt, for every single pain. God, I thank you that there is freedom here. I thank you that there is healing here this morning. God, we thank you that this message cuts to every single heart. 
and you fix every foundation in this place. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. How many of you have actually built a house? Like, built a house. Like, you used your hands, and you built a house. Okay, so I have never built a house, and I know very little about it. But I think all of us would generally say, I kind of know the process to building a house. You may not know, like, all the complete details, but you understand that they basically say, hey, we're going to build a house here. And they find a plot of land. And they say, we're going to build a foundation here. And they begin to dig and lay a foundation, right? You never see builders. They're not this dumb. They don't build a house and then say, oh, wait, where are we going to put this thing? Like, nobody does that. Like, no one does that. It's, where's the foundation going to be laid? Where, where are we going to do this? And they pour the foundation, and they make sure it's firm. They make sure it's secure. When my brother and I were growing up, we lived in Hooksit, New Hampshire. Uh, and where we lived, they started building, like, all these housing, uh, just, like, new, new houses all around us. And my brother and I would go at night after school, and we would play on all the tractors, and we would see them do this, right? So we would just, like, as young kids, that's, like, the coolest thing in the world, like little boys playing on tractors. It's like, hello, come on, this is awesome. So we would do that at night. One of the biggest things that you get as, as a son or a daughter, you actually don't get to pick where your foundation is built. If you built a house, you actually get to pick. You get to choose. Say, we're going to build it right here. As a son or daughter, you just get what you get. God planned this. And so you're with a family. That family might be good. It might be bad. But that's not really the the, the matter right now. It's the foundation is being laid. Your foundation is a combination of all these things that your parents have poured in. It's, It's a combination of values, of morals, of of your spiritual makeup, of all these different things that are the foundation for your life, the foundation for your house. Even if, there's a lot of extremes to this, guys. I understand. I understand some people, even in here right now, may have never known their parents. I understand there's people here right now who says, hey, I, I, I grew up in a single family home with just my dad or just my mom or just my grandmother. I don't, I don't know what your situation is. But two people made a decision to come together if for all those married people, you know what that is. And there was a product of that. You were the product. You were the product of that. I was the product of my parents' marriage. <clears throat> when, when I was young, uh, I was about 14, my parents bought a brand new house in Hooksit, New Hampshire. They bought a brand new house. So this is cool, right? So those of you who have built houses... We got to walk in the house before the sheetrock was ever put up, before anything was ever done. And we walked in. It was just like the framework of the house. And we got to look around. They said, hey, that's where the living room's going to be. This is where the kitchen's going to be. This is where your bedrooms are going to be. And so we moved into this brand new house. And about two, three years into living in that house, this is kind of how it would go. We'd be sitting in the living room, and I would say to my dad, hey, dad, there's like a crack in like the, where the two walls meet and the ceiling. There's like a crack up there. And a couple months would go by, and we, we would find another one. We'd be like, oh, that's another little crack. There's another little crack. <clears throat> and my parents would always say this to me. They would say, don't worry about it. The house is just settling in. We were like, what? I've never heard that term. He said, the house is just settling in. In about the first six years of your life is when the foundation of your life is being built. And then you begin to build upon that foundation. With a house, it is basically, it's beaten on by outside circumstances, 
right? So here in, in, in New Hampshire, we have our winters, we have wind, we have rain, we have all these different things that beat on the house that make the house settle in. Just like in life, when you begin to step out into school, into all these different environments outside of your home, it begins to beat on the outside of your house. And those values, those morals, your purpose begin to settle in. They begin to settle in. How many of you guys love the show Fixer Upper? Come on, that is such a good show. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. Gotta go see it. Gotta go see it. So basically the premise of this show is these two people, Chip and Joanna, they get hired by a couple to buy like this broken down, terrible house that you would never live in. And they put a lot of money into it and they make this house your dream house. They make it absolutely incredible. It's amazing what they do. I remember one episode in particular where they began to go into a house, and this is what they always do. They begin to survey the house. They survey the house. They start looking through the house for everything that needs to be fixed. I remember one episode in particular. Joanna walks in the house, and she sees a big crack in the wall, a big crack. And she says, hey, hey, Chip, come on. You got to come see this. This is like a big crack. He's like, is this something we should worry about? He walks up to it and looks at the crack and says, Oh, no, that's, don't worry about that. My guys are like, we're going we're gonna to patch that up. It's going to be okay. And, but this is what he goes on to say. He says, if that crack was an inch or wider, there may be foundational damage to this house. There may be foundational damage. But he says, that crack, it's, it's not wide enough. He's like, we can patch that up. We can fix that. When you get saved, you just invited Holy Spirit into your house. And actually, he just bought your house. Jesus just bought your house. Your broken down, messed up house, and Jesus just walked in the front door, and you're still living there, and he says, this is my house now. And the first few months, the first year or so, is like, yeah, we got a new house. Yeah, this is awesome. But then Jesus does something. He begins to survey your house. He's in your house, and he begins to survey he begins to look around and say, hey, Phil, uh, come here. There's, there's a little crack up here. He says, what's, what's this crack from? And I, I'll, I'll say, you know, Jesus, there's, um, sometimes my wife does some things, and I get really angry, and I, I get really mad at her. I was like, but it's nothing to worry about. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. You sure? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. He, he goes, he just walks around again. He says, hey, hey, this crack, like, let's check out this crack over here. This one seems a bit bigger. He's like, Phil, this one looks really bad. I say, oh, well, God, that's, that's, that's um, you know, we always downplay this, right? Like, oh, don't worry about that. It's, it's nothing. It's really nothing. It's like, oh, well, I, I was, you know, I, I have a kind of a perfectionist mindset. I have a performance-based mindset. And he says, well, this one's really big. This one's actually like two or three inches wide. He's like, I think there's some foundational damage to your house. I said, Really? He says, yeah, yeah, let's go to the basement. Let's go look around. Let's go to the outside of the house. Let's look around at the foundation of your house. And he says, yeah, there's definitely some foundational damage here. One of the coolest things about what God does, his, his like, code book is, is this. He walks into your old, broken-down house, whatever situation you were in, and he says, does your foundation line up with this? Does your house meet the code? And if it doesn't, we got some work to do. 
But the coolest part about Jesus, he doesn't say, now go fix yourself. He says, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And I'm going to work in you and through you. And I'm going to bring people in your life that can help you. He doesn't just leave you. He doesn't just move out. That's the coolest part. In this story that we're in today, in Genesis 9 with, with Noah and his sons, the flood had receded. You know, it, the flood covered the earth and wiped out everyone on the earth except Noah and his family and, and all the animals that were still left. And it says that Noah became a man of the soil and began to plant. So you've got to understand, this wasn't like, hey, the flood receded, fruit the next day. This is like years. Peter just gave a word like that. It's like years planting a vineyard. If, you, if everyone's ever planted a vineyard, it takes years for that to actually grow up and produce fruit. So this is like years after the flood. It says Noah got basically some of the fruit and began to make wine. And he got drunk. How many of you know that you have to be really drunk to get yourself naked and pass out somewhere? Like, you got to be pretty drunk to do that. that doesn't, that's not just like a sip of wine. This guy was drinking a lot of wine. And he fell asleep drunk in his tent. And his youngest son, Ham, comes in, looks at his father drunk and naked, leaves the tent and says, hey, Shem, Japheth, dad's naked. Dad's naked. Once again, dad's naked. And he's drunk. The great man of faith, the great Noah himself, is drunk and naked. His two brothers, this is like an incredible portion of scripture. They put a cloak over their shoulder. You can picture this, right? So one guy puts it on, the other guy puts it on. They start walking into the tent backwards, making sure they're not looking at their father. They're walking in backwards. And I can imagine this. When they get to his feet, like his feet are right here. I see his feet. Okay, we're going to drop this thing over him, and we're going to cover him. We're going to cover him. And it says they made sure that no one else saw him that way. They made sure of it that nobody else. When Noah wakes up, he understands what happened. He understands that his youngest son saw him in his sin and went and exposed him to the world. And says, hey, come, take a look. Dad's drunk and naked. Look at him. And his two oldest sons actually did the opposite. They honored their father and covered him even in the midst of his sin. Even in the midst of his sin. I have permission to share this story. So this isn't like dishonoring to my mom. I actually had a conversation with her about this just the other day. <clears throat> when I was young, my family was like the perfect family. Like perfect pictures on the walls. Kids dressed really, really well. All did really well in school. All did really well in sports. That was my family. Like the picture perfect family. Because of that, I grew up with a performance-based or perfectionist mindset. I grew up with that, thinking I had to be perfect. I had to perform. This is how I earn love. This is how I earn affection from people. This is what it looks like. When I got saved, Jesus bought my house and began to point out that crack in my foundation. He began to say, hey, Phil, you cannot perform for my love. You can't earn what I've done for you. Actually, you're loved. You're my son, and I love you, and I care about you. And I remember just sitting there as a young man, allowing God to pour his love over me. Thinking, I, I, what do you mean? I, I don't have to work for this? I, I can't earn this? This isn't about how well I dress or how well I talk or how well I perform? He's like, no, I love you. I love you. I love you. 
I love you. You're my son. I begin to think back to my childhood, and this is sometimes what happens to us. I begin to look back and then say, well, why didn't my parents raise me this way? Why, well, why didn't they do? Why didn't, why didn't I feel that way? And I began to look back, and I almost looked negatively on my mom. I'd be like, why would she do that? Why would she raise us that way? This is what the Lord began to do in my life. He began to say, Phil, why did she raise you that way? And he took me back to stories that she said. He said, Phil, did you know your mom grew up with nine brothers and sisters? She grew up in a house of 11 people. Come on, people. It's like some of us have four people in the house, and it's nuts. Never mind, 11 brothers and sisters. She said it was constant chaos. It was constant craziness. And she said, I don't want that for my family. So God began to take me to the heart behind what she did. And really what the heart behind this was, was I love my kids. I love my family so much. I don't want them to have that. And I remember when he said that, it released a grace over myself to honor my mom in a way I had never done before. Meaning, I began to understand where she came from. I began to understand why she said things the way she said and did things the way she did. It was because, oh, she was raised a certain way. It was raised, and actually my parents got saved a year before I was born. So if you know, I know some of you guys know my mom and my dad. They're incredible, incredible people. It's like I couldn't have handpicked better people. You know, if you're sitting up in heaven and you actually get a choice, I would have picked the two of them. They're absolutely incredible. The hard part becomes, for those of you saying right now, what do I do with my dad who abandoned me? What do I do with my parents who got divorced and split our family? What do I do with these kind of things? What do I do? There's a phrase the Lord had me come across in, in the study of this message, and this is what it said. It says, honor is not agreement. I was like, whoa. Honor is not agreement. Meaning, do you really think Noah's sons agreed with what he did? No. They didn't agree. They didn't agree that their dad was drunk and passed out naked. But they chose to honor in the midst of Noah's sin, the great man of faith had sinned, had screwed up. And they say, we're going to choose to honor. We're going to choose to honor you. And out of this poured a blessing for two. And because of dishonor of one, it led to a curse. It actually led to a curse. That's an incredible thought for all of us here this morning. Some of you come from incredibly tragic backgrounds. Incredibly tragic. Like if you begin to speak about them, it would make you cry. It really would. God has healing for every single one of us here this morning. There's healing in this room. There is a grace that is actually greater than the sin that your parents took place in, took part in. There's actually a grace greater than that. There actually is. The worship team, if you guys want to come back up. I believe God wants to bring every single one of us to the place where we understand why our parents did certain things. And even if you don't, even if you don't, can you imagine this situation with Noah's sons? They had experienced one of the greatest things in the entire world. 
their dad had spent 120 years building an ark on faith. On faith. Saying, oh, I really hope it rains. I really hope it rains, because otherwise we're going to look really stupid. And dad came through. Dad came through. Dad came through. This is the man that they're like, we're going to honor him. We're going to honor him. We're going to honor him. If you guys want to stand to your feet with me. If you guys look through the Ten Commandments, if you look through this one commandment, how many of them are dependent upon other people? None. They're all dependent on you. When God says, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and you'll live long in the land, he isn't saying, if you had good parents. He isn't saying, if they never screwed up, if they were perfect, then honor them. Yep, then you should honor them. He said, even in the midst of their deepest, darkest sin, I don't even care what they did. You have to honor them. Because God says, I'm going to pour out a blessing upon your life. God says, I'm going to pour out a blessing upon your life. Even if your parents never blessed you, even if they never loved you, even if they never cared about you, even if they abandoned you from when the day you were born, there is a grace that God has for your life, for that situation, will actually allow you to honor them in the midst of their sin. And God will come through and pour out a blessing upon your life. God's saying, will you trust me with this? The word tells us, don't judge lest yourself be judged. When you say, I'm going to choose to honor, when you say, I'm going to choose to forgive, this is what happens. You take yourself out of the judge's seat and you put God in it. You say, I'm not going to judge them anymore. I understand they they, they did what they did based off how they were raised and what they thought. Guys, very few parents wake up, come together, produce a kid and say, we're going to make this kid's life miserable. Anybody's parents actually do that? Like very, very few. I'm guessing they tried to do their best. I'm guessing. They did, they tried to do their best out of what they knew. Out of what they knew. Man, if that doesn't release forgiveness. God's saying, will you trust me with that circumstance? Will you trust me with that situation? Are you willing to forgive? Right now, if our prayer team wants to come forward, you guys can come on up. Prayer team. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 